Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the red carpet of WrestleMania on UCLARadio.com. Obviously, WrestleMania has come and gone, but we had such an amazing guest lined up that I didn't want to stop doing our interviews, and I wanted to introduce everyone to J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T-W-W-E Hall of Famer and wrestling legend all around, Jeff Jarrett. Welcome to the show, sir. Anish, we finally got it, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for your patience. Our mutual No worries. Friend uh finally connected us but uh yeah no I'm, I'm happy to be on here chatting with you absolutely same and obviously you know you being such a big name in both the wrestling industry and having such a deep connected background to the music industry we had to have you on because it was just the the perfect fit so i want to start off by saying for someone who doesn't know who the jeff jarrett character is but you know knows what wrestling is and uh, understands the business how would you sum up the jeff jarrett character over all its years in one sentence to someone who doesn't know who you are Oh boy, man, you're putting me on the spot, dude. <laughs> in one sentence, I can't say anything in one <laughs> sentence. Uh, cocky, confident, and always get the job done, no matter what the cost, personally or professionally. Yeah, you know what? I like that. I think that really goes into a lot of what that Jeff Jarrett character was. So I wanted to ask you, obviously, the characters and your, your own personal journey in pro wrestling has gone through so many different iterations. But, uh, you know, we've had uh, Jeff Jarrett, the, the country singer, the, the president of TNA, and, you know, your, your roots in the business, starting with your father. So I wanted to ask you, what's been your favorite time in the business? That's hard to say. And when I look back over it, and, you know, launching the My World podcast, and, and me and Conrad have had, you know, obviously many, many discussions and, and he's in charge of topics and where are we headed with this and that. And, you know, as he breaks it down and I've done obviously lots of, lots of interviews over my career and it's, you know, the early formative years of the family business and the territory days to the, the early WWF new generation days and WCW, and then back to the attitude era and then back to WCW and then the TNA days. And, and I really look at the TNA days transitioning into the impact days, transitioning into the global force days, then the hall of fame and now the, my world. So you're right. Lots of iterations. It's hard to say one favors over the other initially because I think I can see the transformative process on me as an in-ring talent, as a businessman, uh, as a person. And, and so I think it all is sort of just laid out. Um, look, I've had extreme highs and extreme lows in every step of the, along the way, but it's all made me who I am today. Right. You know what? That totally makes sense. So for someone, say, looking for some Jeff Jarrett to go and watch, would you have a favorite match at least? Something in the ring that you really look at you and say, you know what, that, that really sums me up as a, as a wrestler. You know, me and Shawn Michaels in your house match, July 95, obviously ranked right up there. I had a series of matches that, that you know, with all the different balls in the air that I juggled at, at TNA, but me and Kurt Angle had a series of matches. And, you know, I was 25 years into my career and having, ha having those series of matches. That, that has to rank right up there. Um, the year 2000, when, candidly, WCW was behind the scenes falling apart rapidly with so much mass confusion. I tried to go out every night and realize these people don't know the madhouse going on on the other side of that curtain. So it's not their business. So I'm going to go out and try to entertain them the very best I can. I think I did some of my best work in 2000 in spite of all the, the backstage drama and, and confusion. Um, so, you know, it's tough. And then, you know, my early days, uh, a young guy getting into the business, I, I think when I've watched some of those 
specifically getting into the ad-free family with Conrad, you know, some of my early, early days um, that, that you got to learn your trade, although they were some basic stuff, but learning your craft and learning the true basics, like you and issue, you're learning the foundation of broadcasting and, and whatever it may be and being prepared. I can tell you prepared. We've obviously had conversations and text exchanges. Uh You take things very seriously. And I did as a young man, you know, uh, obviously, whatever it may be, uh, as it related to the business, but I took my work and to this day, it, very at times too serious, but I, I take it, 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 it's my life's work. So, um, a lot of times to, to a detriment, uh, I I've not let anything get in my way of trying to learn and grow and, and take care of business. Obviously you grew up the son of a promoter in the, the famous Jerry Jarrett. So do you think that experience made you different from everybody else in the business, or at least different from those who didn't grow up sons of promoters? Uh, and, 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 and I've, said this many times and it was told to me at early, you know, being the son of a promoter can be a blessing and a curse. And I agree with both that. Yes, it was obviously easier for me to quote unquote, break into the business, but the, the you know, the, the, the relationship between my mom, me, uh, between me and my father obviously taken a toll. We were estranged at different times throughout my career over the business. Um, but, but also know that I got lucky. Uh, with a grandmother who is a promoter, my dad that was a promoter, I've always looked at the business candidly as a business. And and some folks just get into this business and even get in and finish their career. And they don't quite ever really look at it that first and foremost, this is about black ink over red ink. It's just simple. Without black ink, you don't survive. You go out of business. You can look at WCW. You can look at many different promoters around the world and promotions that if they don't really have that mindset and that's why, you know, the greatest promoter in any genre of all time, I truly believe is Vince McMahon. And right. he's always got a saying that, you know, what's best for WWE or what's best for WWF is what we're doing. And that's really a mindset because it's, it, it's not being selfish. It's being selfish about having an industry to work in. And that goes at the very top. And so I've been blessed getting into this industry my father had the same beliefs of that, that you got to run it like black ink versus red ink. And you better look at black ink first. Gotcha. And, you know, it's crazy to think that, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I know about your career in WWF and looking back on it just from going back and being historian. But I knew you mostly from TNA. So I wanted to ask you being the son of a promoter, did you always know you wanted to get into that side of the business? Because a lot of people don't do that, even if they do have that in their family. I was always mesmerized as a, before I ever had my first match, I would ride with my grandmother to promote like small gyms and armories and little local shows. And, you know, you know, we called it putting up window cards. It's really posters. So doing local radio and newspaper and renting the building and having to, okay, as a part of renting this building, you got to make sure you have cleanup and set up the ring, just every facet of, of putting on a show. And I was always really, enthralled and mesmerized that everything that goes into promotion, you know, you can't have a show without a wrestling ring, but the guy who sets up the wrestling ring is probably the lowest paid guy on the totem pole, just having that mentality. But yes, I've always wanted, knew that I wanted to get into it somehow, some way, but you know, when you're in your, uh, in ring, you know, when I was in the in in ring and the thick of it, I, I didn't really give it a second thought, but when Vince bought his competition, my eyes opened to the opportunity. Right. And getting in, what would you say was your biggest challenge when starting TNA? 
wearing multiple hats because any startup, whether it's a professional wrestling business or a plumbing business or broadcast, whatever it is, if you're starting a company, you better wear multiple hats. You have to roll up your sleeve and do bits and pieces of all jobs doing that and trying to perform in front of the camera, but also uh, in, in the business office, that's a real challenge. And, and it is uh, in this day and age, um, th there, there is a, a sense of, uh, of, of very critical mindset. And, and this goes, you know, I've got five kids, so I understand the, the, the world of social media and, you know, things that are, are not real on Instagram, if you will. And, and, you know, right. I'm, I'm calling, uh, I like to tell uh, sometimes my daughters, the whole world is photoshopped, not just images, because what's real is not always what you see on social media or online or even the news nowadays. It's so opinionated. And so, yes, that's their opinion. And that opinion's real, but it's just their opinion as well. So it's a different world we live in. And, and I, I, again, I'll go back home to the whole world's photoshopped to some level. Right. And, and, and so when you have to live that as a, as a business owner and a startup, you have to have a real sense of confidence in yourself. And I'm glad that I always did. You know, so speaking of different hats, I wanted to ask just out of curiosity, how did your, you know, wearing that cowboy hat, that country music background come into play when starting, uh, you know, TNA? Did, did you have any help or was it almost a hindrance in, in some ways to have that background? In the what? the Wearing the, the double J? Well, be, being in the country music industry, I mean. Right, no, and see, I, I never made a living out of it. Right. I had contacts. Um, but it, it's been a real blessing because, you know, they... The, the, the music industry is, is built on basically creating a set list or a playlist or an album and, and, and pushing that and marketing that, then you go out on tour. So there's a lot of similarities in the entertainment, but it's definitely different because we don't have seasons in our industry. We're 52. Right. Weeks. We're not true sport, obviously. And we're not true entertainment. We're a hybrid. So you have to take a little bit from the TV industry, a little bit from the movie industry, a little bit from the music industry, a little bit from Broadway but also from the sporting world and, and how the show is produced and do you produce it like a sports broadcast or, or over a television show. So having that diverse background and looking at it through multiple lenses, but really my foundation was built on my grandmother and father, that that's a, that's a real blessing. Awesome. Now I want to talk a bit about your new podcast, my world coming out and you know, we're four episodes deep already. I, I've loved each and every single one. And I'm looking forward to a bunch of the stories that I'm sure are going to be very interesting coming up. Just being, you know, we're, since we're UCLA radio, I want to ask, did you have any stories or just any memories from wrestling or just being in this side of the world in Southern California that you'd. Oh man, Cox arena in San Diego. But uh, you know, I, I, I grew up a Laker fan and, and right. for me, I mean, the form, it goes without saying, and, but you know, LA sports arena, but the Anaheim, the pond, we were, I think the first or one of the very first shows to, to have wrestling in, in the pond. But, um, and then, you know, the, the, where we're at now in Staples center, and it's just kind of amazing, but all through California, whether it's, mm -hmm. um, San Francisco, San Jose, um, even Bakersfield, just all through California, I'll say this, there's always a West coast vibe to wrestling fans, you know, right. you get, get the pay-per-view, but we got to start at, Oh my gosh, we got to start at five in the afternoon. That, that was always a little bit of a time adjustment, but you know, over on the East coast. So, but I always enjoyed my West coast trips. Um, it, it's just a different vibe uh, there. Uh, and you know, there, there's a, such a strong, I can remember 
working for both organizations, WCW or, or, or WWF or WWE, WWE was such, had a, such a much stronger footing. The West coast is WWE territory. It was right. WCW territory, no matter how you slice and dice it, it just, it just had that vibe and uh, lots of fond memories um, flying into LAX and, and knowing that, um, you know, we were going to do in a California loop. Anish, I could talk forever about my uh, SoCal loops, but uh, always very fond of it. Awesome. And, you know, us, we are a WrestleMania podcast and obviously WrestleMania is coming gone, but I did always ask my guests, you know, what was their favorite WrestleMania moment? So for you, either as a fan or just being in the ring, did you have a favorite WrestleMania moment in your career or just growing up? Wow. I, I can remember seeing uh, at home watching uh, three um, Savage Steamboat. Again, Randy Savage was a, you know, he, he was, he, he left the family territory wrestling a loser leave town to Jerry Lawler. And the next thing you know, he's the IC champ and, you know, the macho man. So, mm -hmm. so seeing him perform on that stage was always a real cool connection. Um, as a fan, three always stood out to me uh, for, for so many reasons. And then can't Greg go wrong with it. And, you know, Kurt Henning, I can remember seeing him at nine at Vegas. That just had such an outdoor different vibe. Um, you know, me and Razor at, at 11 and, and getting to the whole world thought uh, Scott or Razor was winning the belt back that night in Hartford and he didn't, um, which, which was a real, it was, it, it, it felt good to be a part of that. Me and Owen being uh, tag champs uh, at a mania, man, I could go on and on and talk about it, but, but where WrestleMania started many moons ago and where it is now to be in this industry, uh, it's not just mainstream. It is at times the mainstream. Right. It's something special. That's for yeah. sure. So uh, the final question I wanted to ask you is just out of my own curiosity. So like I said, growing up, I knew you so much from TNA. And a big part of that is because unlike any other market in the world, I think India is one place where TNA is probably just as big as WWE. And I don't really think you can say that about anywhere else. So what was it about India that attracted you to getting a foothold there and expanding in that market? And, you, you know, Great lead in from my podcast today. You're going to hear some of those stories on our international agent from a very, I think it was maybe 03 and I'll have to dig up the exact dates, but 03, we got an offer uh, to, to syndicate uh, the TNA program. And then obviously 04. And then as we grew into from star sports into the Sony deal. Right. And I, we, me and you, it's no secret. We've had our conversations before this offline. You know, I don't believe there's another culture in the world. And obviously it goes without saying the size of the culture and the uh, disposable income and the rising middle class and all the business and economic factors that go into it. But there's never a, there, there's not a country exists an issue. And you know, it better than me mm -hmm. that has Bollywood and sport. And, 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 and that is the true connection uh, of, of the culture. And so what better form of entertainment other than professional wrestling? So it fits right in to it. I, I'm very excited about the future of wrestling in India, and uh, I hope to travel there soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I mean, I think you said it best. What better form of entertainment than professional wrestling? So thanks for joining us today, and I wish you the best of luck with the, the Meyer World podcast. Just quickly, 
where can people find my world? Because I've been loving it, and I want anyone who listens to this to go out and check it out as well. Anywhere you download podcasts, anywhere, Apple, I mean, you go the whole list. But to make it real simple for you, you can go to realjeffjarrett.com and subscribe there. We have all the platforms there. Uh, I made everything easy. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is at realjeffjarrett or website realjeffjarrett.com. I make it easy. And just if people can't spell that, what is it? That's real, R-E-A-L. But uh, do you want me to spell my name? Because that would be J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. The world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and now the world's greatest podcaster. (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Jarrett.